two movies enter, one movie leaves. This is The Great Movie Showdown. I'm your host, Zach Twitty, and with me today are Matthew Smith Yo. and Will Goodnow. What up? <laughs> Matt, All right. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, The Great Movie Showdown today. Um, do you guys want to like say a quick intro bit before I jump into uh, what we're reviewing today? Ah, uh, oh, you got it, Zach. Yeah, All right. <laughs> just give a, give us the intro bit, and then we can start talking about right. some movies. Yeah, a story about a museum. Um, what's it called? He's a an archaeologist who studies dead languages. Yeah, there you go. Searching for a dead society long since forgotten. And the story of a robot on a dead planet, hoping to bring people back to it, and also find love with another robot among the stars. In Wally, and also the first movie is Atlantis: The Lost Empire. <laughs> good job, good save. I was like, wait, I don't know if he he said the title of Atlantis. Not we don't probably confuse with Atlantis: Milo's Return. Yeah, that. Yeah. Directed so, people at home, if you want to watch Atlantis before our podcast, you see our podcast has been dropped, and then you see two Atlantises because you got to really search on Disney Plus. Like yeah. Atlantis isn't going to be on the main screen. You got to like it's go not. to the movies. You're going to have to like hit A because it's Atlantis. You hit wait, A. You scroll down a little bit, and then you got to figure out which Atlantis to pick, and it's going to be the Lost Empire. Okay, okay. it's not even the first one if you search Milo on um on disney plus because that's what i did because you can search movies by character and i think it was like the third or fourth movie with a milo in it i think you guys are forgetting the most important like distinction here between like atlantis titles and that is stargate atlantis which introduced the world to jason momoa okay you don't want to confuse those okay i don't know what any of that is everyone's psyched up Jason Momoa he was aquaman you guys come on i don't watch dc movies i have taste yeah Okay, well, <laughs> they're only movies owned problem. by Disney. That's that's your problem. But anyway, I'm just saying. Okay, like a lot of us nerds, we know all about that. Okay, we know that Atlantis. Sometimes they get confused. But yeah, sure. One's animated. One's got a big buffy uh, Hawaiian dude, long what, glorious hair. Yeah, he's a beautiful man. He is a beautiful right. man. I, I'm also, real quick, to, I like, do just want to. <laughs> I said yeah. I'm willing to just stop talking about Wally and Atlantis, and we can just spend the rest of the show talking about him and how good looking he is. Yeah, we can do that. Real Get quick, lost. I do also want to note that uh, my brother is installing a bidet in the bathroom right next to me. So, um, if there is any weird uh, toilet noises, that is um, that might happen. That's fancy, also some swear dude. words might be that's thrown. The, yeah, that's the thing that squirts up into your butthole and like rinses it out for you. That's good, man. Yeah, you guys are moving it's up really good. And yeah, I mean, yeah. like with this whole toilet paper shortage where like you've got to burn a roll of toilet paper in your backyard right. in order to pray for more toilet paper to come down. True. Um, I think yeah. we're over that. We thing, ordered them so. like three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they like, just came in. Uh, well, like I said, I feel like, you know, you guys are definitely moving up in the world. You're very uh, fancy, pantsy, swanky, might I add. Well, it's all about just, you know, I mean, butthole health, I feel like, is very important. And very um... <gasps> Butthole health. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. True, true. All that wiping. And then, you know what? I mean, yeah, it's not great. And I mean, yeah. I want to like, you know, I want my my uh, my rear to, um you know, 
able to proliferate. And you don't want to suffer. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to suffer the true travesty of having your finger accidentally poked through the toilet paper when you go to wipe, and then you've literally just touched your own butthole. Sometimes. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. All right. So, uh, speaking of holes, which is also a movie, <laughs> we should uh, bring holes into the bracket at some point. It, this is it an is animated a movie. Okay. All right. Wait, I thought it was. No, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Technically a Disney movie. You can technically watch Holes on Disney Plus. <laughs> we did that right. actually. Yeah. Um, all right. So then first things first. Um, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. Let's let's start Atlantis. on Atlantis. Yes. I want to talk I want to start the Lost with Empire. Um do you guys want to go on first? Because I have a tendency to wax poetic and go on forever. I'll let you guys talk. Well, let's see. So initially, before I rewatched this movie, I I remember like watching this movie a good bit like as a kid not as much as not as much as aladdin or um or some of the other ones but i do remember us having the dvd like we got it for christmas and i specifically remember that my mom opened the dvd too hard she didn't know how to dvds were still new so she didn't know how to open them so she opened the plastic part that holds the dvd paper on the front of the case you know cut that part off Oh my god, dude! So we all we taped the paper back onto the DVD case. <laughs> <sighs> that's awesome! Oh god! And that's kind of like one of the big things that I remember about this movie. But also, this movie had like a whole bunch of really cool, interesting stuff that happens, and it it hits you pretty fast with a lot of it too. It's pretty yeah, fast, it does. fast paced. There's a lot of like between the cool submarines and the the trucks and the diggers and stuff. There's a lot of interesting like steampunky 1914 turn of the century oh, the steampunk gear yes. that you feel like wouldn't be able to survive the kind of trip that it goes on. But it doesn't and matter, then all of the awesome. cool flying mythical fish sky pod things, hovercrafts or whatever you call them. Right. So random question. Yeah. Since you brought up the flying, does this movie like switch from like regular animation to like computer animation no it's blended. definitely no it's it does blended. oh yeah it is blended okay because i i feel like it's like a normal movie and then when action happens it's all computer animated well that's funny that you brought that up because that was one of the first things that stuck out of my mind is when i look at two movies in particular that actually did it correctly like when they use matte paintings 3d technology and, you know, like pushing the technology further, blending 2D cell animation and 3D, like with really good detail, you think of Tarzan and you think of Atlantis because mm-hmm. they just did such a terrific job of making you not like, because I don't know if you guys have this problem, but I can't help but feel like when they blend 3D animation with 2D, when it's not done right, it looks blocky and it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Or even though animation, obviously people aren't moving with like a sense of, I guess you say real world physics, there is a certain physics that's involved. And so like, you know, artists in 2d, like they mimic certain movements, but like with 3d, nothing feels like it has any fucking weight ever. And I, sh- I just remember how awesome those stone giants were making that huge force field at the end of the film. Oh yeah. And how like you could just tell the effort and like the huge amount of force that gets generated when they clap and then that energy and like, they just did such a good job. I feel like that's something that Disney mm. does really well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's usually um, like any time that you have a uh, like a weird panning or orbital shot of something, that's usually a 3D thing because it's hard to like sell sell shade or 
I guess that would be the word of doing uh, like a rotating camera move. Exactly. Think of orbiting like the, around, or like when you have the big hardware, like the submarines and the, and the um, well, mold, big like drill that. drill thing and the Leviathan stuff like that. Like that's three D models, but then they they I mean they have to use the models as a reference and then do cell shading over that. Yep. is what I think that they're doing. That's what it looked like to me. Like it looked like two yeah. D animation on like three D models. Yeah. So it's like they have that, and they're just basically coloring over the top of it. Correct. And no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And the thing that sticks out to me as well with Atlantis was the particular um, shade of blue that comes to my mind almost significantly. Think of like the Leviathan chase sequence. Like it's so yeah. dark. It's that dark jet black blue um, mm-hmm. contrasted with like the earth tones that like or like the grays and browns of like the characters within the shuttle or I guess the submarine and then the submarine itself and that big yellow like orb for a front, I guess you'd say eye. And it's such a distinct sequence. Well, that would be the bridge. Right. And like, sorry, I don't know ship. Sorry, I don't know. Not yeah. <laughs> like, I literally don't even know what Starbird is. So I, if someone said I like, think oh, Starbird's Starbird. left. I don't know. You I know Port <laughs> is the opposite. Right. Uh, I, see, that's what I mean. I don't know. But I know Starbird is generally green <laughs> and Port is red on the indicating lights. <laughs> but like the animation, just the coloring alone is so distinctive, especially like with the opening sequence that like sets up what happened to Atlantis. And I just remember like the way they shaded this huge light shining down and like, you know, the only way animation can ever do is where you can just make that lighting so dramatic where the characters are in that stark light. And like when the mom's ascending and then she like goes with that, I guess you say it's almost like a, what, like a glass kind of like a kind of look that they get. You know what I'm talking about what she has in the end too. Like when she's all full of the Atlantean oh, energy. She's like the crystal. Yeah. And it looks so good, man. Like just, that always kind of scared me. Right. And it's that like. That part scared me in the movie. Yeah. And it was so good though for me. Like it, it is so awe-inspiring for your imagination. I really dug it. I just remember re-watching it, re-watching it as a kid for those aspects alone of how creative it was and how good, how good of a job they did with even the backgrounds. When, um, what's another sequence that I really dug is. Oh, the um, the literal like firefly sequence is what I call it. Whatever those bugs are that set the camp on fire. I mean, I would call them fireflies. Yeah, right. In like, the most literally. literal of sense. Yeah, and it was, <laughs> and it was so terrific once again because then like remember most of the movies have been kind of like the dulled down color tones, a lot of like brown yeah. hues, whites, or you got your deep blacks and blues, and like now they're in the earth, so there's a lot of earth tones and things like that, and then you just get like all of these reds just filling the frame like with all this fire and then they do a really good job lighting that as well and it was terrific i was like dude there's nothing that these animators can't do like they do they make the most of the medium i feel like in this movie this yeah. is one of my favorites for that reason also same real thing, quick uh port is left and uh right is starboard boom Zach. i was wrong oh no i thought you said star no i said the opposite are you sure? i've always gotten a lot of angry up. sailors for three minutes there <laughs> yeah yeah <you> <laughs> Anyway, we just want to be respectful of the seamen, especially in a movie that focuses quite heavily on um, being underwater. <laughs> we got to be right. respectful to the seamen, especially during Pride Month. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, <man>. um, <laughs> uh, what else can I say about the movie that I that really sticks out to me is, I mean, Michael J. Fox. He's terrific. Yeah. I mean, I like I've, that character. I felt like yeah. that was a character that was really easy to connect with as a kid. But then also at the same time, I was always thinking like, yeah, he's so relatable. 
but also like he's way smarter than me. Like he probably shouldn't be that relatable. <laughs> it's like true. he can read a dead language from thousands of years ago. But you know what's funny is that's what they did really well with his character. It's not about the fact that he's you know studying dead languages and goes on some wild adventures that we all know if, if you were a nerd about anything, you've pretty much have felt like alone in that category. It felt like it's yeah. a little embarrassing had to, to like operate the boiler of the museum that you work at. Well, yeah, definitely. I hate that, man. Like when I was in school and I was in anime club and I was also in this weird kind of poetry club and like I was in drama, I'd always have to run back to the boiler room for the high school and make sure everything was on, on point. that just shows like a public high school budget right there you gotta (laughs) with the students oh what's your extracurricular boiler room (laughs) (laughs) oh mine is lawn service yeah there you go was it really no Uh, oh god but like so I think it's because of like all the Facebook posts that people make where it's like, this would be perfect for live action. And it's like, yeah. let's cast the live action for Atlantis. But I get like total like Tom art or Tom Holland. Hardy. Vibes. Tom Hardle Holland. Yeah. Like from the, the main Spider-Man. character. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel yeah, like I if they make totally. a live action, it's like he would be perfect for it. Or Michael Sarah. Uh, probably, I don't know. I haven't seen Michael Sarah in like. I feel like Michael Eisenberg. No, Michael Sarah would do better a better job as like one of the offshoot characters, like one of the weird ones, because he'd be fun. He would. Yeah, just have him as Rourke. Yeah, he'd be <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. That would be a very weird Atlantis. That would be because he like poses no threat as Rourke at all. He just doesn't <laughs> have a figure at all. No. Yeah. Um. What is one of them? Isn't there like the Italian guy, like Vinny? That'd be Vinny. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole entire thing with Vinny, like I totally thought like he was Russian the, the whole time. Like th- they yeah, might've said that, that he was Italian, too. but he didn't sound like Italian at all. Well, he didn't sound really Russian either. No, well, you know I what mean? He, he like, sounded he like, like Eastern European. Yeah. He, he kind of, but I also feel like he, he sounded like any other guy that you meet in New York. He's like, Oh, so you guys, like you guys took a dynamite. Uh, yeah. Like, he did uh, like feel very, very yeah. New Englandy. Yeah, that's okay. what I mean. Like, Maybe like New York Italian. That could be it. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, all right, let's get into that because the other voice actors are really good too. Obviously, James Garner plays Rourke. Um, but who else was another side character? Like, um, the guy who did Dr. Sweet. I loved the doctor who's always he's so one of my favorite characters yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like one of the few characters that's like nice when you first meet him yes. he's not just like a dick yeah and then obviously the mole uh the mole he's great yeah i i still don't really know how i feel about him <laughs> no he's fun like he, he's like well yeah but he's also yeah. like so weird that like you just don't get it no, I think that it's just he's basically for like the other characters to talk about. Like he serves his purpose yeah. as just like, oh, look at this weird guy. I do want to weird go back guy on that Vinny. operates the most intimidating machine in the convoy. I do. I do want to talk about Vinny real quick because, like, I feel like he's had he had like at least five like funny lines in that movie. Like he was definitely <laughs> my favorite character. Yeah. See, I feel like every character got their little moment. I mean, even the little um. I guess you could say what the machinist girl, whatever she yeah, the engineer. Uh, yeah. she's get she's got her cute little moment, especially like when she's like trying to get all the guys out of the engine room as it's going down, and you can tell she's 
Like she's young. I don't she's know if I'd call that a cute moment when she has to seal a bulkhead and commit a man to death. No, I'm saying like she's. I a want cute to know uh, Will's cute moments in Titanic or Pearl Harbor. You guys, come on! <laughs> I just mean like her character, the way she's drawn, and the way she likes she's people drowning, to be like really cute. But then, like, you get to see her really step up and, like, at the, like you're like, oh, this movie took a turn. <laughs> and then, like, same thing with her character. So it was cool to see that. Um, I'm trying to think of the other characters. I'm looking on IMDb. Um, I guess you could say, who did the voice of, what? What's the, what's the girl that Milo has the relationship with in the movie? What is her name again? I know it's a weird name. Uh, Kita. Okay, Kita. Okay, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a different one. I want to talk about her animation because I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was a young, impressionable boy and um, I had a crush on her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Go back and look at that animation, bro. And if you don't believe me, look at I just any watched it today. Okay, and she's like, she's well, Yeah, I watched hot. it and was thinking, oh man, Will's going to say something about this on the show. Dude, do you know how many people agree with me, guys and girls? Stop this. Is this the silver hair? No, it's just her face, dude. Like, they did such a good job of animating her face and, like, giving her such distinct characteristics where she is quite literally really pretty. And that's really hard to do with animation. For example, is um, they had a whole documentary about, like, um, what the artists have to do for um, Ariel and Belle and things like that. The thing is, she breaks all those rules. Like, there's really not any softer features. A lot of the characters have these hard lines. Like, think of Milo's hair. It still ends in, like, two kind of rectangles. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, like, a lot of soft features. He's also, like, always wearing clothes that are, like, eight sizes too big. So you have, like, the soft poofiness about a lot of what he's wearing. And her character... Until, like, the end when he's just, like, wearing his, like, crew top. Right. And so, like the way they animated her was really distinctive. And it was also really respectful to like, you know, Polynesian culture and things like that. I mean, even though um, she's they, Atlantean. Well, well, you know what I mean? They, they based the um, character models and like the, the culture and things like that off of like traditional Polynesian culture. So it was really cool to see. Did they? I, oh. I probably Where is Atlanta realized. supposed to be actually, I meant to like look it up on Wikipedia, but I never, got um, to it. let's check it out on the lost. Empire ah. Wikipedia. Uh, that's the thing i don't really know but i know that um iceland nice no it's not language the language they speak is the atlantean language mark okrand who developed the klingon language for star trek was hired to devise the atlantean language for atlantis the lost empire wow that's pretty dope which yeah. makes sense why they got Leonard Nimoy then to do the Atlantean King stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a Star Trek connection there. Guided by the director's initial concept for it to be a mother language, Okrand employed an Indo-European word stock with its own gram- grammatical structure. He would change the words if they began to sound too much like an actual spoken language. Wow. That's pretty dope. Now and I then um, did, like, John the Emerson designed language. the written component. Right. You mean the Navi language? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, like, none of their traditional dress and things like that in the movie, anything about it, like, maybe some of it emanates, like, you know, the the island culture. Like I said, we're talking about, like, if, if I have to give you guys cultural reference, it would be, like, New Zealand, you know, the Kiwis and, like, the Aborigines in Australia, down to, obviously, Hawaiians and things like that. That's where I feel like when I watch the movie that the people are based off of. Because mm-hmm. they are, they're 
they're gorgeous to look at and it's wonderful. So looking animation. at the submarine, there's a lot to um I have a lot of like um actuallys for this movie once we get through it a little bit more. Right. I mean, I like the I movie, have... but there are some some like Monsters Inc um CDA things that I want to talk about. I I have like a couple points I just want to make real quick. Yeah. So like my experience with Atlantis it was like basically I watched the trailer for it when uh, I think it was like Remember the Titans. I used to watch that all the time and I'd see the trailer. How I remember that trailer because I've been watching that trailer for like 20 years. And it was my first time watching the movie was just like over the past week. It felt like in the trailer it was supposed to be like the journey to Atlantis. All like the main parts from the yeah. trailer mm-hmm. were like happening like really early in the movie, there was like a big part of the in the trailer where um, the guy uh, Commander Lyle Rourke, yeah, he's like the good guy at first, and then he turns on like the crew and on the Atlantean people, or he's like, all of our hope lies on you and that little book or something like that. And I, I like I heard that line like pr- practically my whole life, and I thought like it would be like further in the movie. And I just remember like watching the movie and hearing that line. And I was like, Whoa, like we're like 20 minutes in the movie or 30 minutes yeah. in the movie. And I'm like, like okay. they just get so on the like, submarine. So I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. And like a bunch of random characters that nobody really cares about died. And like, we're supposed to feel like an emotional connection to that. And then I think like, as soon as they like got to Atlantis, it was literally like halfway through the movie. And I was like, Oh, so like they're actually going to do stuff in Atlantis. I thought like it was just getting to Atlantis was like going to be the whole entire movie. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, what are they going to do in Atlantis? And then that's when like, like the whole entire time I was watching it, it kind of felt like I hate to make the reference again, as I just said it, but it felt kind of like Avatar. It was. It was pre-Avatar, Avatar. Absolutely. And I don't know why like nobody's ever made that reference before. Because it's all no, like, no, like because Ferngully is the more obvious parallel. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's not that people didn't. I promise you there were a couple of people who did. But yeah. the more obvious comparison was Ferngully. By far, Ferngully. Or Dances with Wolves. But that's yeah, what I was Dances with Wolves. Yeah. But that's what I was going to say is that it's a modern. It's a very modern and also well-tested trope and a storytelling mechanism to to tell that kind of a story of oh yeah. now we're dealing with a culture clash it, and then we have our sympathetic lead who will understand the other culture and then lead a rebellion against the invasive forces and repel them and save the culture you know like that's like of course the white I feel like that's what it felt like the whole entire time like oh they're like trying to discover the language they're doing all this research together oh yeah they're gonna fall in love and then oh this guy, you know, he's up to something because he like said mm-hmm. something quietly. Not just that, but he's a military guy too. Don't forget that. And the main yeah. bad guy is our military yeah. guy. I, mean, I feel like a to... good comparison for this movie would be actually DreamWorks El Dorado. <laughs> that would oh, be. If you were to yeah. face yeah. two movies like this off of each other, El Dorado they, they feels like... They didn't have like, like a, a sports game with an armadillo though. So. No, they didn't. Well, no, didn't that was actually based off of like or... an ancient... That was actually based off of a Mayan... Um, Thing, but I think El Dorado is Aztec. I think so too. 
Don't quote don't, me on that. Yeah, I was gonna say don't hold us to that, but I feel well, like yeah, that was yeah, a good Eldorado movie. was. Like, um, I feel like yeah, that Cortez movie could have like snuck into the Disney Renaissance, and if we didn't know any better, we can like look back and say uh, what Eldorado. Yeah, like like I feel yeah. like that could pass as a Disney movie, and that came out like right before this, just a year before. Was it? Oh, wow. I thought it was nineties. Yeah. Was it two thousand? Yeah, two thousand. I just remember kind of like I just remember Rosie Perez was the um, what is her name? Her character, Shell. Um, I think so. I don't know what her name was. But and I Elton John was the singing narrator. Yeah, he was. Oh, are, are we talking about Atlantis or El Dorado? El Dorado. El Dorado. Oh, okay. We'll get back to Atlantis. Yeah. We'll get back to it. Um, I will say this, Atlantis. If we're going to switch back to it, um, well, we are. Yeah, we are. We should. We should stay diligent here and review this movie and stuff. What if we um, have El Dorado win this matchup Matt, somehow? Matt. It just like sneaks in and then somehow Matt. like we just it's like decide. a streaker on the football field at graduation <laughs> and then he just like kicks the home he yeah. kicks the last point we're and somehow wins yet. the game. We're, just like, we're we're having a discussion. Atlantis versus Wally, El Dorado wins, it goes on in the next round. And we're oh just God. like well, now we're stuck with El Dorado. Like I'll tell you this. I wouldn't though. be like super upset. It's Kevin that. Klein for you. See, Zach, don't encourage him because Matt right now is like that stupid ass cat that was running across the football field and got more attention than the actual football game that happened afterwards. It Pretty happened much. like in the middle of a football game. This is Matt right now. I have now. no idea what you're talking about. Technically, but this that's seems Eldorado less right relevant now. than Eldorado is. <laughs> okay. okay. Let's, uh, Atlantis. Let's bring it back. Oh man, you guys are killing me. I do want to talk about Eldorado at some point, though. That's oh a very good. <laughs> I can already tell how we feel about Atlantis. So, all what? Right. Well, no, I mean, no, I liked Atlantis. Yeah. Well, someone get to describing something. I'm sitting. Okay, here so, uh, so some fun, some fun stuff about Atlantis. Atlantis, it kind of, it's kind of a hard movie to break down because it feels like it's a little bit of like everywhere like we're kind of barely in atlantis we sort of get the touches of what like the cool atlantis stuff at the very beginning with the the flying fish vehicles and stuff i know and the the tidal wave and then the the you have the big stone golems making the shield and stuff and her mom like gets beamed up in the tractor beam it does a really good job of not like beating you over the head with stuff and just kind of showing you, Oh, it's the end of Atlanta. Like we've all heard. Oh yeah. Atlantis like sank to the bottom of the ocean. And that's kind of where it ends for us. Maybe we saw a weird history channel documentary on, Ooh, is Atlantis real? Some people think maybe here's a thing that might mean Atlantis, but we don't know. And stuff like that. Like we grew up seeing some of that stuff offhand and then, asking people do you believe in atlantis and it was very polarizing and some people were like no atlantis is dumb that's like santa and <laughs> other people that were like yeah atlantis is real also ghosts are real and they scare my oh my, my grandma and then oh you're like you're i actually lot of, lost a lot of good friendships due to it's like a lot of people say don't discuss religion or politics you just yeah. you don't discuss whether or not atlantis is real or not <laughs> Like, are you for real like oh like that's why like congress they never discuss it because they just know that it'll just divide the country oh even my. more <laughs> it's like i like this guy's view on being pro-choice but he also believes in atlantis 
So I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! What about you guys? Are you guys? Do you guys believe in Atlantis or not? I don't know enough about it to believe in it, but I, oh. I don't think it. I don't think Atlantis is some like secret city under the water where they have all this technology and they somehow forgot their language. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't really believe in that. Well, I mean, there's definitely some. Um some creative liberties taken here. They had the Klingon guy create a language for it. So exactly. So let's not. Yeah. Um, do I believe in Atlantis? I believe that there was probably a city that actually fell into the ocean because that stuff actually happens in the real world with continental shifts and like, you know, something. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel like Matt just waits for me to talk and goes, I'm going to say the first thing that word vomits into my brain. Let's do it. It's all word vomit, Will. Oh, God, Matt. (laughs) All right. Anyway, keep going, Will. (laughs) Anyway, I... I want to actually talk about the actual movie because we're just well, but this is this is like kind of backstory stuff to it because I mean this is this is part of like what the the wonder of this film pulls out, and again, it's a Disney property based off of something that already kind of exists. That's true. Atlantis. They did a good job with that, right? I feel like like this was maybe the most ambiguous of like the Disney non-original IPs. See, that's what I wanted to get into. Yeah, yeah it was around this movie. It, oh my it wasn't God. expected to do. Like shouted. <laughs> it wouldn't do really well, like financially. That's what they were predicting because nobody had any idea of like how they were going to sell a Disney animated movie that wasn't a musical. It was an action adventure animation, which once again was a big deal for Disney at the time. Because I mean, I think this movie was it pre Tarzan or not. It was after Tarzan. Um, it was Tarzan. after Tarzan. And the, and the dinosaur movie as well. Right. I don't know if oh, the yeah, dinosaur, dinosaur movie has... Were, I forgot about that. They were taking risks in a way, because, I mean, Tarzan, once again, was like a really popular property, and like it was still really bright colors, had the music numbers with Rosie O'Donnell singing, and they had Phil Collins doing it. Um, but yeah, Atlantis, as far as I'm concerned, was actually a really good um, example of the action movie like structure narratively where as you guys said, like it feels like it just moves from the jump and you're not really sitting down with any one character. And with all of these side characters having quite literally physical attributes that Mm -hmm. kind of tell you about them, it's a well-worn trope that wouldn't work in live action, but because it's animated, you can do more. Like as far as character wouldn't work in live action. I feel like it could, it could work, but they would probably have to actually flesh out a couple more of the characters more than they did in Atlantis. I mean, both of you guys said perfectly, like, it's not that we know a whole lot about them. We get good introductions, and then the movie just moves, man. It's a sprint to the finish. Um, you got the Leviathan chase, and then they're already in Atlantis. And then you get, like, a momentary pause where, you know, he's rushing around Atlantis with um, Princess Kida, and they're, like, discovering it. But then once that happens, the big um, coup happens, and they're going to take her. And then next thing you know, big chase right to the finish where she's in the metal box glowing, and there's the big um, action sequence which was once again, it was really good. It actually was a bit darker for uh, Disney movies as well. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like there are a lot. There's like there are like a lot more like forward with death. Like, yeah, dude. Like I remember like watching Pocahontas, which was like six years before this, mm-hmm. and like like somebody would get shot, and you wouldn't even see like a mark in them. <laughs> and I'm like, did they get oh, shot? Yeah. Like, there's no blood. Well, I don't think there was any getting shot. Yeah, I, but well. I think there was like stabbing or something. 
Yeah, I thought there was um th- no the 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 king gets shot. I thought. Um, oh the- yeah, but they don't like show the bullets go. Wait, no, I don't think he gets shot. No, he just like punches him. Oh, something of that nature. I can't remember. I know the ending is like it's kind of like a gun. The end of the movie though was pretty awesome, and um, it's like Indiana Jones vibes. But it's also like, why the heck would you bring planes <laughs> down there? Also, like the big hot air balloon thing. Yeah, the Zeppelin thing looking, whatever. Yeah, that was weird. And I guess that was just in that big barrel truck the whole time. Which, hey, it at looks- the beginning, even rewatching it today, I was like, oh, it's probably like a water truck or something, I guess. But no, it's got a dirigible in it. <laughs> hey, man, it looks cool, okay? I guess, but it's also like really weird although i guess so is the big submarine that's not like super hydrodynamically right. designed oh um how can i forget what is the one the femme fatales character because that's what i really liked is the animation for her what was her which name? one the uh like the commander's lieutenant yeah yeah they introduce her in like a really weird way where you think this is going to be like a noir detective movie yeah, yeah. she comes into the apartment uh, and then immediately they have this uh this like weird jazz music playing. Yeah. yeah. Cause you meet her like right there at the, uh, the professor, the old guys thing. And like, she's sitting by the window, the rain's coming and she's like in yeah. the shadow. Um, it was so cool. And then like her character from the jump, you definitely felt like it was pre black widow vibes. Like the way Scarlett Johansson plays black widow in the uh, MCU universe for anyone who needs something to compare to. That's well, the kind of vibe before that. Yeah, exactly. Like you never knew which way she was going to go. And then obviously she, started caring about the good guys at the end. And it was pretty dope. She has a nice little, well, um, I mean, she cared about them like at the end, once she got thrown off the balloon. Exactly. <laughs> Can we talk it wasn't about even like scary? caring about them. It was about like getting her percentage taken away. That's right. Can Better we talk like- about how scary uh commander Rourke was like when he turned blue and was like attacking. Yeah, that yeah. was really scared. That like actually freaked me out. I'm like, damn. You know what that reminded me of, though? That whole thing, because they're flying in the air, and there's, a, like you said, dirigible-looking thing. That reminded me of the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> That's what that yeah. me of. Literally down to, like, the clawing at somebody. Like, if you remember, Radigan was, like, clawing at... Um, damn, I forget the main character's name of that movie, but the, the Mouse Detective. He's, like, it scratched him in the back and stuff, and you're like, damn, dude, this is intense. <laughs> That's how I felt for uh, the end of Atlantis, too. It was, it was very similar and really well done. I liked it. So yeah, uh, that's our little discussion of Atlantis. I would assume, unless anybody's yeah, I think I don't have anything else to say. Well, I have a few like kind of just weird, weird tidbits that I want to bring up. So do it when they uh, like when they go on the submarine at the beginning, and then everybody dies. You don't really see anyone else's face except for the main like six people that we were introduced to, right? The the main members of the expedition, I guess. And then there's just like all of the people in the background are silhouetted and you can't see their faces at all. Just like their eyes in that weird, like the, the neighborhood watch sign type thing, you know, like the, that bit when he puts the, he puts the helmet down that has the candle in it. (laughs) And all the people behind them are just basically like a flat, a flat crowd image in the shadow behind, behind all the main guys. I was like, that's kind of weird. Rourke's like giving his speech and it's like, well, I don't really feel any attachment to the 200 people that just died. And then, um, mm. of course, there's the bit like 
all of the characters that stay behind and stand with Milo are the characters that we know. It's none of the other members of the expedition. Yeah, so there's like a lot of like these nameless, people. faceless people. Yeah, that I guess are more loyal to uh, to they're Rourke retros, than right. They're Speaking like retros, they're like AI characters in a video game that you like. I'll kill. <laughs> I was going to say right. the red shirts because we're keeping the Star Trek theme going. Well, they're- I guess they're more like green shirts because it was 1914, which oh. also that was kind of an interesting choice to have this take place in turn of the century in 1914. I guess it's kind of like a uh, like a journey to the center of the Earth kind of vibes. Yeah. Definitely. And having I mean, it have yeah. that that time frame that it takes place in. Well, yeah. But then um, also the bit of having the planes, because monoplanes, as we all know, weren't really a thing until a good deal later, right. where you would have planes that, that weren't biplanes. I think it was um, it was like right before World War II when that started to become a thing. Um, yeah, these are all like the nerdy, the nerdy bits, but also... That's dope. Also, at the very end, when they go back to, who was it, Whitaker? To Whitaker's place, and they're all like gussied up and have yes. diamond teeth and stuff. And he's like, oh, so what happened to Rourke and Milo and them? And not like, not even bat an eye to the 200 other people that were apparently a part of this expedition that just died in the Leviathan incident. <laughs> That's true, man. Like, I mean, you- this... Like, you can't just sweep that expedition under the rug like that. That's true. And they're just trying to, like, hide it. Like, there's no way. Right? Am I right? Am I crazy here? Am I the, no, no, am no. I the crazy one? No, no, no you're right. Because it's, it's definitely like... They're like, oh, yeah, all these other innocent people, we're just going to cover up their deaths. <laughs> it would have been good, like, to have at least one line of dialogue from, like what was the guy's name again? Like Whitlock, the guy who funded it. Whitaker, like, hey. yeah. Yeah, Whitaker, like, the yoga like, hey. Man. Yeah, I, he was doing I, yoga. But give him, like, one line to say, like, yeah, I paid off, you know, the families of the guys, so that way everyone still gets their cut. You know, I paid these guys, made sure they're taken care of, because, you know, those 200 brave souls, like, some kind of line to suggest that someone gave a shit would have really saved that for you, I'm sure. You're like, okay, all right, it's not that bad. But now it's like, that's a huge oversight writing team or writers or script writer. Just casually dispose of 200 souls in a movie. All right. This is a kid's movie. (laughs) Yeah. Mass death. Anyway, adventure time. Yeah. (laughs) I get it, though. I do. But actually, there's like a controversy. Nadia, the secret of blue water controversy. When the film was released, some viewers noticed that. Oh, that Atlantis, the Lost Empire, had a number of similarities to the 1990 Japanese anime program, Nadia, the Secret of Blue Water. Oh. Particularly in its character design, setting, and story. The similarities, as noted by viewers in both Japan and America, were strong enough for production company Gainax to be called to sue for plagiarism. Oh, they only retain, refrained from doing so because the decision belonged to parent companies NHQ and Toho. Oh, so the parent companies didn't want to sue. That's interesting. They actually like tried the to get King. them to pick a fight with Disney, but even the National Television Network of Japan didn't dare to mess with Disney and their lawyers. Whoa. Nadia we actually did say that, but we wouldn't actually take them to court. I mean... I'm and they were just like too scared to do that. Whoa! I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Um, 
Never heard Jeez, of Nadia until it was mentioned in this news group long after we'd finished production. Oh, it's definitely. Oh, there's a Sega Genesis game of it. What? In a PlayStation 2 oh, game? Okay. So, yeah. this. So, both Atlantis and Nadia were inspired by the Jules Verne novel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which you can definitely tell if you look at the design for the submarine. Yeah. It has a striking resemblance to the Nautilus. Well, I mean, they even said so when they were developing the movie and like in all the uh, press and yeah. behind the scenes stuff, they were saying, that, you know, this is their nod to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Absolutely. And, yeah. And going with the uh, 1914 setting with the steampunk, like clearly adds to that, you know, with um, Captain Nemo, that whole nine. So, I mean, I get it, you know, but okay. I can see some of the similarities, I guess, because once again, the uh, culturally, like, let's just go ahead and say it, the Nadia, the character is definitely a. Uh, not fair skinned. She's definitely well. They're anime characters. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like even her design, her character design is like. I'm going to actually just try and look that up real quick. Some images. Yeah. And then we'll just, the... First thing I had to do was type in Nadia's secret, and it finished it out for me. So I actually got to look at it. But Nadia herself is definitely like. But that's about it. I don't know enough about the anime to really. I never knew that this existed. Neither did I. This is interesting. I'm not seeing any cool submarines or anything. So, oh, no. wait. What is this? This looks like a Gundam spaceship thing. It's an anime, baby. Oh, yeah. Huh. I mean, I feel like they don't look like super similar. No. It, looks, guess- it looks like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> but it's an anime, so they all kind of look like Dragon Ball Z, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, to an extent. I don't mean to just like generalize everything. Oh, wait. And yet you did. Oh, okay. Oh. There's like a character that kind of looks like an anime version of Milo. <laughs> oh, that's right. The little boy. He's in the steampunk, like wet suit. He's, or he's got like a, cover. there's a yeah. picture of him with like a glider. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know enough about this, but yeah, Atlanta's pretty good movie. Um, should we hop over to Wally? Yes. Now? Absolutely. <laughs> Matt's like, oh my gosh. Wally is amazing. And the first thing that I want to say is Thomas Newman's score um, deserved to win. And so did uh, Ben Burt, who did the voice of Wally and all the stuff. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We need to hop back to Atlantis real quick because there's one more thing that I want to. Jesus ask Christ. About. <laughs> this is the very last thing. So the song in the credits. Okay. Did you guys think it was like really weird and didn't feel like it went with the rest of the movie at all? Yes. I don't really remember it. Played like right at the credits. Um, let's see, what was it called? I gotta pull up Atlantis. It was like where the dream takes you. It was like modern and poppy, and it didn't really seem like it fit with the music of the rest of the movie at all. Right. It was really yeah. bad. It, it was bad. But Disney always does that. They, well, no, sometimes- but like usually the song feels like it fits with the movie though. With this based on like the sound design and the music of the entirety of the rest of the film, it just seemed like it seemed like they were just trying to shoehorn in some kind of um, what's it called? Like a, like a, my heart will go on type thing (laughs) to this movie about being on a submarine. Right. I feel like Disney always tries to shoehorn something in like, even, even like as perfect as beauty and the beast is, they also did like this weird pop version of it with um, Celine Dion and like some other guy. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys have the version with Angel Lansbury that's really good. Why'd you guys make it a duet? <laughs> and it's like, it was just weird. Disney does that. They do these weird they pop do. songs for their movies. Yeah, that was Star Wars too. Yeah, yeah so like, it's it, weird. They, 
they do that weird thing. As far as just like making Star Wars kind of feel like weird. Although the latest series of Clone Wars, really, really good. Last four episodes. Um, last four. The last four episodes were really, really good. Kind, kind of, of like I made up episodes. for a lot of stuff. But <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go to Wally. Speaking of space stuff, we'll yeah. talk about Clone Wars in another episode because yeah. I need to do that. Um, let's do it about it. Okay, so what have Road Eldorado still up? Okay, Wally. <laughs> Wally. So this is a wonderful movie that I really I've always like loved robots as a kid, and Wally is a robot that's very close to my heart. <laughs> so um who wants to who wants to kind of start it off with some some of like their Wally feelings? I always want to go first because like I said. Um, this has one of my favorite scores of all time by Thomas Newman. And if you don't know, he did the score for American Beauty. He did the score for, I believe it should have been, he helped out on the Green Mile because he did work with Frank Darabont. And then who else did he work for? Oh, that's right. Um, Sam Mendes. Um, he just recently got nominated for the score with uh, 1917. Oh, wow. And uh, oh. he did the score for uh, Skyfall. He gave us a terrific song with... Um, What's her name? Adele. They won the Academy Award as well. Yeah, dude. That was like one of the best Bond songs. Like, yeah. I am obsessed with Thomas Newman scores wherever I can find them. And um, that was his, no Moonraker. Yeah, I guess. If you <laughs> I'm more of a writing on the wall fan. But, uh, <laughs> there you go. But I, I just want to say, like, legitimately, his score, um, particularly that there's two songs. One is Eve's Theme and uh, Define Dancing. If you guys ever look it up. Define dancing to me is perfection. Um, it also is is a part of like the film. Is it is aesthetic? Is obviously is that there isn't a whole lot of dialogue throughout the entire film. There's not really a whole yeah. lot of human characters. There doesn't really and need so, to be exactly. And one of the strongest points of it, the reason why it doesn't need it, is because Thomas Newman decided that he was going to write one of his best um, scores ever. And so, if you guys actually rewatch the film and really like lend your ear to that score. Because Eve does a lot of flying, obviously. And so mm-hmm. his his score almost feels like waves because this, I think, what did this come out before Finding Nemo? No. This well, came out after, oh, no, five years after. Yeah. Right. right. And yeah. so, like, Thomas Newman did this really cool thing where he almost kind of made these, like, sister kind of scores where if you put the score for Finding Nemo right next to the score for Wally, mm-hmm. you can see almost the similarities where like it's almost like the ocean well you have to imagine yeah you know what i mean and i promise you man wally is is so impactful in that way um but wally is a character from a writing standpoint once again uh andrew stan also was nominated for best screenplay at the academy awards for this movie which says something about how good it is um and they won for best animated feature that's right um so Wally, how do you not root for him? I mean, with those big old eyes, clearly oh, there was absolutely, yeah, there just from the beginning. Big, and there was a big. Um, what was the character from Short Circuit? Because he looked a lot like him. Short Circuit. Um, Are you talking yeah, about Short- Johnny Five? Yeah, Johnny Five. Like he had the big eyes, just like Johnny Five. Yeah, the um, weird binoculars. Yeah, but it, it lends so much to his character, and then even best is like he's just so like single track minded. He's going to help Eve. He wants to be with her. And he's always trying to like, it's the sweetest, most adorable thing. And, and yet he's so strong and so resolute, like the sequence where he's fighting off the, um, the autopilot, <laughs> I guess that's what the character's name is, whatever. It's yeah. Called. Auto. And like, 
Yeah, Otto. And like, it's so like, I'll never forget, dude. My heart was broken when he really got really badly torched by that fucker. Um, and he fell down the garbage chute. I was like, no, <laughs> it's, it's so sweet. And then same thing is right at the very end when he's literally trying to um, hold um, the thing. Cause the thing's coming down. It's got the boot in it, but he's trying to hold it up. Cause I guess Eve has to put the boot in it in order to shut off the autopilot and have it go on its autopilot thing back to earth, the end sequence. And you actually see Wally's character, you know, really trying. And then um, once again, Otto, that dick, <laughs> pushes down the big red button and crushes poor Wally, man. And he's just like, oh my God. Like, he, I love, like, even in my, in any movie, really, you've got to give me a character who actually gets beat down and actually, like, has to physically overcome things, emotionally overcome things, and watch them persevere just like it's Rocky. Great. Yeah, dude. Oh my God. It's one of my favorite movies ever. I'm from Philadelphia. So oh, he's like, when like the captain stands up and they have the yeah. space odyssey. Yes. <laughs> oh man. I gotta um, say, I do love the captain. I the think he's like great. the best part. But he's uh, like, what is singing? What is fun? Yeah, dude. <laughs> what is dancing? Yes. What, yeah. Yeah. Like they've been dancing. in this weird bubble for so long that they just don't know what anything is. Which right. seems weird because if they're just constantly consuming media, you guys want to know the one thing that scientists are absolutely deadly serious was pretty accurate with Wally. Just one thing because everything else they were kind of debating on. They're like, ah, that's what? a little bit fictionalist. Was the see, uh, the fact that there are so many fucking satellites <laughs> like in our atmosphere? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and like scientists say, like, dude, they're struggling with that now. They're literally trying to pulverize, like they're trying to find a way to destroy this debris and stuff that's already out there because we have so many useless satellites unreal (laughs) so they're like dude that's a real thing it's gonna be a real thing if we don't get a handle on it eventually yeah but i mean space is also pretty big so it's all like what your orbit path is going to be because you can have a lower orbit or a higher orbit orbit. you're right generally i would assume that for longevity's sake you want stuff to be in a higher orbit right but i mean i know like elon musk wants to have that low orbit network thing (laughs) Um, but anyway, back to Wally. Wally is so good in deconstructing how human beings want only like convenience, like the, yeah, yeah. and stuff. the lasting power of Hello Dolly. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so great to see like this big kind of you know expensive animated movie that's really fun and it's cute. Guys, great characters, but it also has like that underlying social commentary of like, come on, you guys, you know we're not too far away from being this. Where like we yeah. were. You know what I found really interesting is like when they first kind of like introduce the world with all the people and like, you know how they're focused on their screen, they're focused on talking to people and they're just like following like everything that they're told and they're like unaware of their surroundings. So like when they, like when she loses her screen, like she was like, Oh, we have a pool. And like, like she starts like interacting with like other people, like the main person that like Wally knocks the screen yeah. off of her face. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like this is all like commentary towards like the smartphone generation, but it's also <laughs> it's also like the first smartphone came out a year before this movie started, and also this movie was probably like thought of like at least like three years before before like it was made so probably yep. like mm-hmm. two years before like 
the first iPhone. And also, like, we weren't really prevalent with smartphones up until maybe, like, I didn't get my first smartphone until four years after the iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah. I don't think like it was as big as how it is now where people where everybody has a smartphone and like, you're weird if you don't, but it still felt like a commentary on smartphone culture where like, like where you're just looking at the screen and you don't even know what's going on. Like I found that kind of right. interesting. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, it is kind of fortuitous that they got to, almost kind of predict the future, not just much less commentate on like human nature and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then obviously the opening sequence, I mean, that's the thing that is the bread and butter. It's the thing that got the movie so recognized is that, you know, the opening, like I want to say first third of the movie, there's literally no dialogue. It's just Wally by himself. And then Eve comes and then their relationship, ha- relationship happens. And then she gets like shut down because she actually catches, she gets the, um, the plant and that wonderful, like, can we just talk about something so minute, but yet so effective is the comedy of like him trying to pry her like arm off of her body to hold her hand. Aww. Yeah. Like, so she, like clamps down on him even harder. I'm like, I don't care who you are. That's so great. It's so funny. It makes me laugh every time I wait for it to come. And it's great. I he's actually don't really life. like the opening that much. It's because you're a terrible person, and I, I think you don't so. like. Um, is it because there's all the dead Wallies at the beginning? No, I think it's just like I'm kind of bored, which I know. That, well, like, I think what he's me... trying to do is set you up for how empty the world is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, looking back at it, I do like respect it more. Like now mm-hmm. that we have like the full movie, but like I, I think like looking back at it, it's like a lot better, and I respect it more. But just like the whole entire time, I was bored, and I didn't really like all the live action. It made me think of Happy Feet, which I what, which I do like Happy Feet, or but I probably don't really like it as much as I did when I was a kid. Well, Happy see, Feet is like kind I never of saw like, Happy Feet. No, like Happy Feet is like a normal animated movie, but all the humans are real. It's kind of weird. Oh, that is that is odd. Yeah, this I the really live like action the, bits kind of. Yeah, it kind of feels weird. And also, I like despise roaches and the fact that they're trying to make <laughs> that little roach fuck like cute and like all cuddly and like oh look uh, at all the cute noises that he makes and and I'm like I hate roaches so much and I'm like I just oh, every time I think that roach dies I'm like happy. And then, I realized, like, and then it just springs just, like, back up. Oh, over that roach, and that roach is still alive. I literally have a phobia of roaches. Like, I if I think of them, like watching that movie, I'm just like looking around the whole entire time. But yeah, <laughs> like I, I was like about to say, like I don't like this movie, and I think it had to do with the roach. But oh once they left the roach, I'm like, this is actually really good. I kind of like the world that they're in. But, oh my god. Also, random question. I feel like I would be okay living in their little cruise ship in the in the sky. Uh, As long hold on, hold on. But I feel like it would need to be done better. Where like you could actually like move around and like play sports and like play video well, games. I think and, initially like, you could, bars, but they had they'd been up there for eight hundred years or yeah. whatever. Like this right. is eight hundred years of living on a weird space cruise ship. 
somehow. I'm surprised they're like like the language is so similar to ours. I think that's for a narrative simplicity. Yeah, yeah it has it, to be. The, and like, the even their the bodies audience. aren't that different. They're just obese. Like when you find out it's like 800 years in the future, like technically it's 700 years from like when they left. But, mm-hmm. but also like one more point I want to make and then you guys can talk since I've been talking this whole time. Uh, like in the beginning, it's like big into like consumerism and mm-hmm. this is basically like buy, buy, buy. Like, yeah, and the like companies the buy and large. Yeah. And yeah. like basically it's like ran by an evil corporation and that's what's like keeping the people. And like, I just remember watching it and thinking that it's, kind of ironic that this is a disney pixar movie that's like trying to force this message on us and i'm like do you i mean obviously the people who created the movie aren't they're not the ceo of disney they're not the board of disney they're just making Mm -hmm. commentary but it just felt weird i'm like oh like you're telling people what they want like oh uh Red is no longer in; it's blue, or vice versa. Oh yeah, and then they was. all just like change their yeah. stuff. It's like, like the buy Marvel this, suits. buy that, and it and it's just like, okay, Disney, you're making this message. This is more like a like what an indie movie would say. Yeah, and I do, I do like the uh, the parallel of when John and Mary like bump into each other, and then their outfits turn the opposite color of everyone else's. Yeah, from that weird hollow yeah. thing. Yeah, so it's like they 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 red pilled or whatever. I mean, essentially, and start like goofing around in the uh, right the thing. I also love the bit when there's like all the babies falling Uh, and they swing their arms out to catch the babies. I guess we're ready for kids, or I guess we're having kids. (laughs) So good. Oh, we met yesterday. I still love also the cast for everything. Yeah, yeah, them in the pool is good. Um. What what else was I gonna say? Oh, the when he gets the ship, one of my favorite absolute characters across any movie is Mo. Mo is fantastic. Little Who's Mo? Mo. He's a little cleaning droid dude who like follows Wally because like Wally's oh, trying yeah. to follow oh, the ship. Yeah. It's hard <laughs> to keep track of all those droids. Yeah. Uh, there's really only like three main ones. Yeah, well, no, but four. also like all the like like the misfit droids that they let loose oh, that were that following scene, them. Though. That's so much fun. Like the Tasmanian oh, yeah, devil no. looking one. Or it reminded me of that Pokemon that boxes. The one that just oh, beat up. Right. Yeah. That's, yes. Huh. I I do love those. That's what I mean. Like that sequence right there is so well done. Cause you knew what was happening. Once he got to like the, um, like you said, the, uh, the, I guess the Island of Misfit robots section where, you know, there you see all the malfunctioning ones you're going, okay, this is going to have relevance later. They're going to, they're going to do something later. You just knew it. Oh yeah. When Eve and, gets and, thrown in there. Yeah. When he's out there. Cause remember they think Eve is malfunctioning cause she doesn't have the plant, you know, which actually even going off that, there are so many things that stick in my brain and the way that um, Eve's sound design is really sticks to me. The mm-hmm. way she pronounces her name, Eva. And like the way she's plant, like she's like plant, and like the way she gets so stressed out, her voice gets higher, and it's such a great like digital mix. The way they they made her voice sound. Yeah. Well, it's that Ben Burt sound design, and it's I know, it, man. it's I cool having these robots have this extra, this 
like weird humanity to them. That's yeah. just very enjoyable oh, and very uh, tangible. Like you feel like you can just reach out and touch these these characters. And, and he didn't fucking win that year. Like, what movie had better sound mixing and sound editing and even any design? Like, come on, man. The dude yeah. literally, like, oh, come on. You got to admit, to me, like, he invented Star Wars. Like, all the sounds that we think of Star Wars, that it was him. It's him. Yeah. And then he gave us these fantastic sounds, like, in Wally, And just, why? Why shit on the man that way? I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm going to look and see what movie actually won. I was this. about to look that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need to know, know. who won. Actually, so sound, it's a uh, sound editing, sound mixing, and sound editing. Yeah, for what year? Two thousand nine. I'm on it. You can continue to talk, Will. Also, half the characters listed in here are just Axiom Passenger Number X. It's like they didn't even bother to give them names. Sigourney Weaver was the ship's computer. Best sound mixing. And uh, John Ratzenberger played John. Oh, so sound editing is The Dark Knight. Sound mixing is Slumdog Millionaire. No, see, that's what I mean. I love The Dark Knight, but no, just no, no, sorry. Um, That's not okay. What about Slumdog Millionaire? (laughs) No, it's a really great movie. I love that movie. Are you kidding me? That's one of my favorite Danny Boyle movies. Did you ever see the uh, college humor skit Slumdog Prices, right? Oh, God, no. I'm gonna have to look that. You have to tell me about that after we finish recording. Yeah. You know? Tell me about that. Anyway, um, um, not to not to diverge right. too much. Um, oh, right, it didn't but, win original score either. That was lost to Slumdog. Oh, I know. I'm not even gonna get it. I that. mean, Slumdog Millionaire was a very very good movie. It's hard and the to. The score was really good too. I love the yeah. score for Slumdog. I'm not gonna argue with that. I'm not. I can't. I can't dispute that. That was a really good. Score. <laughs> um. Yeah, but, it was just a, an unfortunate year for Wally because Wally. I could see like a lot of other years, Wally definitely like taking Oscars. Yeah, dude. It did win Best Animation, but it's like every Disney slash Pixar movie. Yeah, really. They do. They win almost every year. Yeah. Um, Do you think, uh, so uh, I remember the Oscars. I want to say maybe 2010 or 2011, they moved to 10 movies being nominated. This was back when I think it was only five movies being nominated for Best Picture. Oh, really? Do you think Wally would be one of the best? Because like I, I was looking at the Wally Wikipedia page, and I think it's one of the best movies of the decade according to Times Magazine. I think AFI ranked it like the best movie of twenty eighteen or two thousand eight, or one of the best movies. Like I feel like Wally probably would have got a nom. Yeah, I would definitely give it like one of the best movies of the decade. Absolutely, I would too. I would too. Oh, by the way, you guys, just to just to completely point out, because remember when I said Pixar has a bit of a storytelling model, you've got now this is a bit more of a romance, but still the formula is two characters go on some kind of a journey, whether it be physical or whatever, and you've got Wally and Eve once again, two characters going on a journey and like they're learning about each other. Right, one is the the kind of uh, lovable schmuck. And the other one is the strict kind of, you know, set in their ways kind of a person. And so mm-hmm. the idea, think of Monsters, Inc. You've got Sully and you got Mike. <laughs> Mike being kind of set in his ways, very determined, right? He's he's the kind of overbearing friend. Who's, and then you've got Sully, who's the lovable schmuck who meets Boo. And you can trace this back to literally almost anything. Once again, you've got Woody and Buzz, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, 
to Pixar to me, like you can always just point out, like they do have a little bit of a thing that they do, and they do it so well that I can't really criticize them yeah. on it. Because, well, and it's like all the characters still feel different. Like it doesn't feel like right. just another cookie cutter Woody Buzz thing. With no, I think it's also like the development meant as yeah. well. Like they let things play out, and it's like just like when you watch Disney movies, it's like very fast moving, and you don't really have well, like, like what, a heart in it. Well, yeah. like Wally is very like slow moving. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It's one thing that um that I always point out in other kids' movies that actually take the time. For example, like Miyazaki films. You know, Pixar kind of did this thing that was a big no no, I guess. It's like, hey man, you gotta keep shit loud, you gotta keep shit colorful, you gotta keep shit moving for kids, right? They're gonna get bored. And Pixar kind of took the Miyazaki approach where it's like, no, I think if you allow yourself time and you, you have a good mm-hmm. character and you know, kids will stay focused, man. They'll they'll That's listen the big to a thing good story. You just have to have good, solid characters and that are actually interesting and that you root for and can connect with. And with this, yeah. it's I mean, I always say like dialogue's stupid. The less dialogue that you have to put in your movie, the better. Because it's just gonna <laughs> it's just gonna muddy it up. Unless like that dialogue is absolutely essential. Cut any dialogue you don't need. And with this, it's a perfect example of just that relationship between Wally and Eve and how interesting it is to follow that story as it develops and just how much you can connect and relate to these two characters mm-hmm. without half the time Wally speaks is just saying his freaking name. Yep. And or Eve. Yeah. He sounds, like mini, he sounds like mini me from like uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, um, so but that just goes to the testament of this. Like when the rest of your movie is working so well and you're really using everything else in the whole storytelling movie making handbook your characters don't have to say shit to each other hardly and you get this really cool emotional dynamic and this interesting stuff happen and the the dichotomy between wally and eve is so interesting too you have wally who's literally a trash compactor (laughs) <laughs> yep. This like janky looking he looks like he came from a construction site. And then Eve, who came from like this futuristic high society hovercraft land. And yep. just seeing the dichotomy of these two characters and how they how they interact with each other, well, whole, whatever Zach, her like magnetic stuff is. Yeah, in yeah. fact, the, the best part is the best um example of that is the sequence, like I said, that that score for uh defined dancing. It's the sequence where they are flying through space and he's got the um you know what I'm talking about, the um the fire extinguisher and he's using it to like propel yeah. himself to keep up with her. And it's like you said, you could Oh my see gosh, it's a beautiful animation. sequence. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so good, but also like you get to see the difference between them. Like he's so He's so awkward and so, but it's so lovable. And she's so smooth and fluid with her movements. And he's like, <laughs> I think like Eve was pissed off with him. Like most of the time, like up Absolutely. until that scene, it was just like, it, it felt like, like, this more, like a little brother, punk. big sister relationship. Matt, I just want to point out if you ask Megan right now, if she's pissed off at you most of the time. I think she would agree. So I'm just going to say that right now. Wow. Megan. How's that really who, relate to Wally? Well, I'm just saying that like anybody who's in a relationship, us us guys, we we get on our woman's nerve. It's our job, so we're supposed to do. But supposed they weren't in a relationship then. They were just no. like it was just they were like, like acquaintances. Oh, inter- interaction. Like I'm in love with this person and Eve was like you're screwing everything up. 
Could you oh. imagine if she just like left him out there to float into space forever and then just went back <laughs> well, to the ship? I think she was also like after the plant. Yeah. And then yeah, like kind of yeah. like yeah, the plant yep. Wally because like oh, well that was her about the directive. Plant. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That was her directive, exactly, Zach. But uh, and also their their kiss at the end is quite literally a spark. That's really adorable. I thought that was a really good bit of animation when she does when she actually does kiss him. It's and, also really sad when Wally gets all smashed up. Yeah, man, that sucked. That hurt. I told you, man, like that to me, I've never actually given that much of a care. Like animation, I get it. It's cool. Like even Beauty and the Beast, like is a great thing. But like, I didn't, I honestly, I was like always like, oh, it's really pretty, but I didn't really care enough. But Wally getting smashed at the end, man, I was really like, what? They're robots, on, though. Like they can. Well, yeah, they can get rebuilt. They're not humans. <laughs> no, They're just man. machines. Well, still. Like when you connect with them, I mean, who's yeah. everybody's like favorite Star Wars character? Most people right. would probably say R two D two is probably the best. Yeah, he's Darth like one Maul. of the most interesting, and he never says anything. Darth Maul, Darth Maul is actually really interesting. Matt would say Darth Maul. Well, when you get to like the Clone Wars and uh, Star Wars Rebels, Darth just Maul is actually fight. very interesting. I mean, in just Episode yeah, One, Darth Maul isn't incredibly interesting. I mean, he's cool. But he doesn't right. really do much until see, you see exactly. him in like the right animated there. series. This whole this whole thing right now is a microcosm of our relationship with these movie reviews. Is yeah. that you and I, Zach, will go in depth on something, and then Matt will come in and go, "Yeah, but like just the lightsaber, and he doesn't really say much. He looks cool though." <laughs> like, we'll go, yeah. Yeah. His I'm lightsaber like, is like, what like, makes him the coolest villain. I'm like the common <laughs> person. Like, I think people will listen to the shows. Like I like Matt. He's simple. I think yeah. I could have a beer with them. I can relate. With <laughs> Matt knows what's up. He likes Darth Maul's lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like the George W. Bush. And <laughs> I also like Darth Maul's lightsaber, Matt. I feel you. <laughs> you just break down the entirety of a character based on his lightsaber's cool. That's I like how I feel. Okay. Hey. Star Wars isn't worth that much thought rather than that looks cool in my opinion exactly because i just want to let y'all know before darth maul they only had one-sided lightsabers and then he came in and they had two so uh, matt how do you feel about uh kylo ren's lightsaber it's cool i think like kylo ren's more of a developed character yeah, I love Kylo Ren. Let's not get into that because honestly, I could de- dedicate an entire episode to defending Kylo Ren. As we character. definitely should uh, do a Star Wars episode at some point. Oh, yes. We should do I'm like wearing... a Star Wars battle royale. I mean, I we, could, we could absolutely do that. To give you guys a preview of when that Star Wars episode is coming, I will do this right now. This is my sense. This is my hypothesis. I'm sorry. This is my May the my 4th next year. This is my thesis right now. Kylo Ren is a better developed character than Darth Vader. Thank you. That is all. Yeah, I mean, you don't know anything about Darth Vader, really. Just like, like Kylo Ren. What do you mean? Like, we have like three movies of oh, him as a kid. True. I, I was talking about like original Darth Vader up until oh. like oh, the first yeah. twenty years. Not to I'm mention sorry. the Clone Wars series, the second Clone Wars series, and the Clone Wars animated movie. Okay, guys, are you ready to vote? I think we're yeah, ready. we're ready to vote. We're ready. To uh, vote. Is there anything else that we want to talk about, Wally? Well, I'm... oh, we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Jeez, spoilers. Um, because we don't know. Atlantis might pull it out. Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's yeah, do Matt. So here we are. We are at the voting portion of the show now. This is a terrible lineup. All yeah, right. So uh any final thoughts, everybody? Nah. Nah. 
Matt says nah. Will, any final thoughts? Yeah, both movies are really tied for beautiful animation in their own right, whether it be the 2D or obviously the 3D high, highly detailed Pixar animation. Both movies, to me, in their own mediums, are terrific when it comes to animation. What are you trying to do, Will? Everybody gets a trophy with two winners. It's you're called what's, adding you're what's wrong with this generation. No, what you're doing wrong right now is I'm trying to make sure that no one can guess what I'm going to pick, Matt, and you're messing it up. Let's go. Yeah, Let's go. Drama. Shut your face. Exactly. Oh, the tension's building. Tensions are high. Matt and Will obviously have differing opinions between Atlantis and Wally. One, a movie about a about a boiler room mechanic who hits it big by <laughs> discovering a secret journal from Iceland. It's just demoted my Turning an I into a C, he's able to find a secret journal to a lost city of Atlantis. Wally, a story of a tiny robot trash compactor who loves Hello Dolly, roaches, and <laughs> shoes that have tiny plants in them in the midst of a broken society. Oh. Zach, what was the point of this? Why are you introducing the show again? He's just doing it. Why not? Leave him alone. Oh, yeah. Matt. So anyway, Matt, do you want to make your decision first? Yeah. This okay. This is the great movie showdown. Ugh. Decision. Uh, yeah. So I watched Wally and Atlantis for the first time in the, mm-hmm. the past week, and I was leaning towards Atlantis. That's because I didn't really finish Wally, and I turned it off right when he went to space. And then I really didn't like the like uh, Wally like on Earth. Those scenes were boring to me, but I really liked Wally in space. And I think Wally's like a better overall movie, just like every Pixar movie now. And it's very unfortunate for my bracket. My bracket is in shambles. This is going to probably be the fifth Pixar movie to win in a row. And it's just making me have a mental breakdown. But anyway, uh, I think uh, probably Wally, just like every other person in the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe every person in a cruise ship in outer space. <laughs> All right. Like- so, Will. <laughs> Which movie are you going to uh, to give a vote for on this, the great movie showdown, Atlantis, The Lost Empire versus WALL-E? I, the found I, Empire. I, oh, Lord, Matt. Every time. <laughs> Every time. I don't get enough attention at home, Will. That's why I want attention now. I'm going to keep talking every time I'm going to talk. Jeez, come on, Matt. This is Will's time. This is Will's yeah. time to make his decision, which gentleman, affects gentleman every other wrong. episode of The Bracket. Yeah, the gentleman reclaims his time. Thank you. Um, I have to say, just like Matt, I was really leaning towards Atlantis. But um, I don't know, mulling it over and really thinking about the filmmaking quality of like Wally and the storytelling, things like that. You have to give Wally, you got to give it to Wally. You just have to period. You got Wally's the better movie. I mean, hands down. I don't think too many people are going to argue with it. Once again, Matt. Yes, I know Pixar is going to win this thing out, but you also got to remember Atlantis just had a rotten luck. I feel like if it went up against a, a lesser tier, like if it went up went up against Brave, I feel like it would have been all right, but it didn't. It, Brave was gonna be the one movie that we referenced this whole entire time. <laughs> like, does Brave even belong here? It's like either if you go up against Brave or like the play in rounds. 
if we had picked any other of the car sequel, like I feel like we would also have been picking those because those car sequels are trash. So like, should have. I, I actually haven't seen have them. I've only seen the cars. first cars and also and planes. Even cars, yeah, and like cars. Oh god, no, no planes. It's not too actually, late for us to add cars to the bracket. No, we're why good. don't we just add all the movies to the bracket? Yeah. Oh lord. But yeah, Wally I'm is. The best we don't have Onward thinking about it. I've never even uh, heard of that movie. I keep seeing it on Disney Plus, but I don't know anything about it. Hurry up and watch it then. Well, I've got to watch all these other movies. True. That's true. The show that we're doing. If it was on the bracket, I'd definitely watch it. I want to let you guys know that I have not rewatched almost any of these movies. I just go off of my distinct memory because I used to wow. watch them when I was a kid. What? I watched them obsessively as a kid. Okay. I had no social life. You're pretty good. Well, it's called. Uh, it's called. Uh, I definitely think that Atlantis is an underrated Disney film. Absolutely. I feel like it gets swept under the rug to a lot of other, of a lot of other, the, uh, the other, um, the Disney mains, I guess you would call them the yeah. lion Kings, the beauty and the beasts. Right. And a lot of that, uh, maybe it's just cause there's not like as much, well, I guess there is magic in it, but I don't know. It's kind of came from like that weird time in Disney where you felt like all the classic Disney films already happened. And then we're like now in this like second, I don't want to say second wave, but like this next wave of the Disney stuff in the last, uh, the last decade or so. Um, but I even rewatching Atlantis is still like, Ooh, I like it. But compared to Wally, I, I feel like Wally overall is a, um, I, it's a stronger story. The characters, the characters feel a lot more tangible. Where in Atlantis, they do. There is still a lot like the villain. The villain in Atlantis feels like your typical Disney villain in a lot of ways. And here yeah. in Wally, you get you get a villain that it feels like we haven't really seen in a Disney movie before. Where it's just Only a villain trying to follow some. Yeah, it does. It is. That is fair. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely there's multiple nods to 2001 A Space Odyssey in here. And with Otto, I think Otto's a very interesting villain. And that whole that whole he's technically just following his programming, too. He's not like inherently malicious. It's just these are my directives and I will do anything to ensure that they happen. Just like how Eve wants to get the plant to um to the captain. And Wally diverts his programming of smashing stuff into cubes to be with Eve because he hasn't had any kind of contact since who knows how long since all the other Wallys were dead. Um, And we don't even really know like what's keeping his power source on or how much longer his power source. Like this is a world where even robots have died. But anyway, I'm going to go with Wally. (laughs) <laughs> we've got our second second uh three three sweep i mean wally's a good cleaner he uh he just well, swept did Ratatouille this round sweep zootopia last week i think it did yeah it did and oh then yeah Coco Rat- swept little mermaid yeah yeah and now wally i mean if wally couldn't clean sweep he wouldn't really be a good uh trash compactor oh 
Boom. And then Wally's going to go up against the winner of A Bug's Life versus Frozen. That's a that's a really Ooh, interesting. Oh, that's going to be an interesting what? one. Bug's Life versus Frozen. So oh, uh, make sure you guys I'm check out those movies Frozen for next again. Week. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Matt, just let it go. <laughs> Demi Lovato version or Elsa version? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't. I've only seen Frozen once. Anyway, so um, all right. So I guess Wally's moving on to the next round. Yeah. Um, that's cool. That's uh, let's give our Bond farewell salute to Atlantis. <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, oh, bye. No, well, I meant more like let's uh, let's put a candle in the top of a. Helmet, we got to do like an alternate bracket out. where it's just Disney sequels going up against each other. Like the main I was per- I was wondering about that. Like that would be interesting to like do. Like the direct-to-video sequels. Yeah. Not the, have not a like the Beauty ones. and the Beast two versus Milo's Return. Yeah, and like Pocahontas two, and like Simba's Pride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Simba's Pride was all about like racism and stuff, right? Probably, yeah. I think so. Yeah, it was like about the, was. the scar lions and the normal yep, lions. Exactly. Was which was, was even I remember watching that movie. But I didn't know that weird. scar. I didn't know that scar like had you know a piece of booty just out there in the tundra. You know what I mean? Like just. Like, I don't think he did it. originally. They were just like, yeah. "Well, we got to make a sequel. What are we gonna do?" Scar booty. Uh, scar had a lover or whatever. Well, yeah, they made it up, Zach, but still, now that it's a thing, and he actually did, it's kind of crazy. It's like, man, he was smashed with a little something on the side, you know? We like, should compare it to Kimba. Yep. Kimba the lion. <laughs> the, like, 60s Lion King thing that it's based off of. Oh, God, please, let's do it. Anyway, uh, so uh, that's been our episode. Um, like I- and subscribe to our uh, Great Movie Showdown podcasts which surely should be on spotify and apple music by now yeah definitely leave us reviews help us share it with your friends if you like us and you want us to be able to keep making these and uh hopefully uh be able to uh make some make some side money in the midst of all this uh this um quarantine crisis stuff oh, going yes. on right also, i'm throwing like- this out here like if you want us to discuss a couple movies uh you can always pay us and we'll make a show for you <laughs> like so a we cameo patreon? we should set up like a patreon well, it's yeah, like a cameo like, like when they do the cameo do, like, videos show, like i don't know uh, like a specific one for someone so jerry we think uh we really think that um like maybe this is our like feelings friend, like like your girlfriend has a birthday coming up and you're like, I want to <laughs> we'll give her an episode of the great her. movie showdown. And I want six days, seven nights, I guess, <laughs> uh, lucky number Slevin. And I want the guys to talk about that movie and I'm going to give it to my girlfriend because that's all that that's been her dream and she hasn't been able to get it. And I'm, I'm willing to cough up the hundred dollars that it takes to oh, get that. Lord. Oh Dude. no. That would be Mine pretty was. great as like a Patreon <laughs> goal. I'd be down to do that, actually. That would be, yeah. Maybe we'll finally get that ET versus Mac and Me episode. This is how we're. This is how we're fading out. By the way, forget this. The trying to whistle song thing. This is it. This is, during this conversation, fade out. Because Matt says too much. <laughs> no, dude, that's actually really interesting. I'm sure that I'm sure that there's someone that would want to like 
do that. That would want to. Uh, if they like our voices enough, I guess. Yeah. Sure. That wants to get like a producer credit on an episode. Oh. Yeah. It'll look good. That's resume. basically what you would be doing. Yeah. Sponsored episode specifically for you. Yeah. Uh, let us know at the uh, the Great Movie Showdown Twitter account, or um, comment in the thing here. But probably. Uh, probably tag the twitter account because we'll definitely see it that way like maybe saw versus marley and me like i'm just throwing out <laughs> matchups but what's like the go. weirdest matchup so that you can think life. of right now or is it the best matchup honestly well no like what's will what's your weirdest matchup that we could do the weirdest matchup we could possibly do would be like little monsters which is like that that obscure like early that's 90s. the one that like wasn't as good as gremlins right you know what? It had nothing to do with Gremlins. It was Monsters on the Bed and this whole thing. That'd be cool. All right. Versus like Hellraiser. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'd do that. It's like, yeah, you know, let's do Cenobites versus like Monsters Under the Bed. No, nobody likes my idea. It just got really quiet. I've never heard okay. of that movie as well. I'm going to go fuck myself now. Thank you guys. Hey, you don't love there might be a Patreon for that too. This has been a Nice Throw production. Nice throw, Matt.